WGN Radio, Terry Savage joins us on the Wintrust Business Lunch, the nationally syndicated financial columnist and author at terrysavage.com. Hi, Terry. Hello. Interesting day today. Well, they always are, but what are you thinking about today? Well, because Dr. Bob is probably the only guest that has a fan club on my website, terrysavage.com. More people have asked, when is Dr. Bob going to be back on? Maybe I should just do a little historical recap. Every year for many years, Dr. Bob has been the highlight of the Executives Club annual economic forecast luncheon, which took place a week ago. And he has, during the whole bull market all the way up, not only were his forecasts right on target, but they were more optimistic then anybody in his right mind would dare forecast. You might as well just say it's up. Why would you have to give these targets, which every year were met and exceeded as the market kept going up? Now, two years ago, uh, and Dr. Bob always gave us a number, you know. So, But two years ago, he said, you're going to remember this. I'm going to give you the clue, 401k. And I was, wait a sec, Dr. Bob, 40,100, that was my target. That was two years ago. We had him on the air. And... Um, then, of course, we had a really big decline in the market last year. He said, yeah, I was in the right direction because the market was up a lot. It just never reached 40100 So last year at this time, Dr. Bob came on and said, yeah, I was directionally correct. I'm sticking with that target of 40100 So last week at the Executive Club Forecast Luncheon, I said, Dr. Bob, are you coming back with 40100 again? And he said... Well, I'm going to let him tell you himself. Okay, let's pick it up there then. Dr. Bob, you're on WGN Radio. What's <laughs> That's a cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, that is a cliffhanger. Boy, that Terry, she's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, my forecast is we're going to get like right at about 39,000. So I'm still um, very optimistic. And I also believe if we get to 39,000, it almost becomes a rounding error to get the 401k. So, you know, if I'm anywhere close to being correct, which I think I will be at the 39,000, I think when you have me back on the show next year, we're going to be talking about, wow, it really got to 40,100. And I, you know, look, I think there's two really important fundamental drivers of the stock market. And that doesn't mean it's going up every day and every month. But but fundamentally, you know, I'm looking at two things for for my optimistic view, you know, to get us to 39,000, approaching 40,000. You know, we came off a really, really horrible year last year. I mean, the NASDAQ was down 33%, you know, the Dow down uh, over 9, S&P 518, and that causes a problem for institutional investors. Now, when I say institutional investors, that's university endowments, pension funds, sovereign wealth funds. They're, they're, they're out of balance. Because of that big sell-off we had in, in the markets, they're, they're, that underperformance means that they're underweight the stock market. Now, they're not going to all of a sudden put all their money in the stock market. They typically rebalance once a year and because they're long-term investors. So I think as we get through the first six months of this year, I'm looking for money coming into the stock market with that rebalancing. So to me, that, that's, that's one key. But the second key that I think is even more critical, and it's with these same big money institutional investors, uh, they were sitting on the sides in cash. Even if they wanted to, I mean, uh, if you wanted to invest in the stock market last year, there wasn't anywhere to go. 
you know, think of the dilemma they had. What are you going to do? Invest in the United States? We're, we we had a deadly one-two punch. Not only did we have a partisan, divisive, polarizing midterm election, but at the same time, the Fed is aggressively raising rates. And every time they did that, we had another market sell-off. So you're not going to invest in the U.S. You couldn't invest in Europe. We had the war going on between Russia and Ukraine and with no end in sight. And the political leadership in the United Kingdom was in a complete and total meltdown. And you couldn't invest in China. Uh, You know, China was in a total lockdown again. And no one really knows what to believe regarding COVID in that country. But at the same time, with the Fed raising rates, you actually were getting paid to stay in cash and sit on the sidelines. Here's the most critical thing. That's all about the change. Long-term investors like university endowments, pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, they never stay long in cash. So I, I think the combination of those two things paints a better bullish picture than most people think is possible. That's a cache of resources I never think about. I'll, you know, I think about the money you and I have in cash or how conservative we are, but those sort of institutional investments coming back in, Terry, that does sound like that moves the needle. Yeah, okay, but Dr. Bob, let me just challenge you a little bit, okay, because I know you have a good answer. Hold on. Okay. Do we have to take a break first? We'll do that first. Okay. And then we'll get your counterpunch, if you will. So that's Dr. Bob Fralick and also Terry Savage. Terry, he said that he does see it going back to 39, 40 at the end of the year. What did you want to say? Okay, I want to just push back on that because I'd love to hear Dr. Bob's answers. And then I want to tee up something that you all will be very interested in because Dr. Bob is a futurist and he has introduced me to some incredible things and I want to get him talking about that other topic in a minute. But Dr. Bob, you're talking about the institutions. They've got to rebalance their underweight in stocks. In the past, they've been content to hold cash because they got paid for it. But that's not what institutions do. They're paid to manage money and investments. So that was, and where could you invest in the past? The U.S. was rates going up and um, Europe was in a mess and China was shut down. So that's your bullish case that this year it all gets better, maybe down 39,000, maybe finally 40,000. I'm going to just throw out three things that I was going to do real quickly at the end of the last segment. Okay, but... How about this? What about the recession? I mean, we're having leading indicators, manufacturing down. What about corporate earnings? Everybody's talking about that today. Oh, my goodness. Microsoft, Boeing, not good earnings. What about the Fed? Still going to push interest rates up and draining liquidity. Whatever happened to inflation? Is it dead? They don't have to kill it anymore. And what about consumers? Aren't they pulling back amid signs of a recession? So aren't those all negatives to that forecast of the Dow up from the current levels, around 34,000 to another 5,000 points, your forecast of 39K? They are negatives. Uh, you know, look, look let, me, let me try to address them in a, in a logical fashion, but let, let me start with earnings. Yes, 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 the guidance is not good, but it's, it's sort of, it's backward and forward looking guidance. It's telling us what we already knew, what was already baked in. I'm trying to figure out for as an investor, what are we doing going forward? And, and yes, I'm concerned about inflation and about a recession, but here's why I don't think we're going to have a recession. And here's why I think we've turned the corner on inflation. I don't look at just inflation. I look at the misery index. And, and, and for any listeners that aren't aware of this, it was, it was actually created by an economist named Arthur Oaken. He was an advisor way back in the 60s to President Lyndon Johnson. 
All it is is it takes the unemployment rate and it adds it to the inflation rate. And the, the theory here is if you have both a higher rate of unemployment and a higher rate of inflation, it's going to create an economic chaos for you. And so that combination of rising inflation, more people out of work, it deteriorates the economy. It makes you feel miserable. That's why it's called the misery index. And it really was miserable last year. But here's what no one's talking about. The December misery index it was 9.954. Now, that might not mean much to anyone. Men a lot to me. It's the first time in 20 months the misery index went below 10%. That's a critical threshold number. We spent 20 months in misery, and now all of a sudden we're turned that corner under 10% because unemployment was at 35 inflation at 645 So I think we hit a critical reflection point. Now, in terms of why I don't think we're going to have a recession, is I look at, you, when you look at our economy, you really have to look at the consumer. It makes up almost, almost 70% of the economy. And I think we're turning the corner. I, I look at the $4 gasoline, $4 gas of gallon of gasoline, how critical that is. It's a psychological level. When gas gets above $4 a gallon, it tends to dampen consumer sentiment, consumer confidence. And as of late, you know, we're gift as both prices and gas prices are down. If you look at national gas price average, it's almost down $2 from its peak. So I'm, I'm betting on the consumer. I, I think that the misery of uh, unemployment and inflation is more behind us and in front of us. And I think that there's cash sitting on the sidelines. And that, that combination, and, and not to mention, you know, we've been in lockdown for like two years, and everyone thought that 2022 was going to have things back to normal. We're still not back to normal. I, I think the, the impact of COVID and what it did to consumers in 2020 is finally going to be, be felt, and 2023 is going to feel more like 2019. It certainly wasn't 2022. So I, I look at a lot of pent-up demand from that consumer. They just want to get out. Outside. They just want to be able to spend money again. I think they're going to surprise on the high side. I want uh, Terry to talk about her thoughts on the debt ceiling in the next half hour. I have just a minute left, Dr. Bob, and Terry and I both are interested in what you think about AI right now. Give me the headline from you on that. Wait, before you uh, look, do that, oh. Dr. Bob, there are three buzzwords. Everybody write it down. If you know someone under 30, listen to Dr. Bob and ask about this. The three buzzwords are chat. C-H-A-T-G-P-I, OpenAI, and why did Microsoft invest $1 billion in OpenAI, which owns ChatGPI? Now explain, Dr. Bob, the futurist. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, look at artificial intelligence. It's, it's no longer a question of if. It's, it's only a matter of when. You, you know, this, 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 this chat GPT, it, it, it's a prototype artificial intelligence. It's a chatbot. Uh, not a robot. It's a chatbot. It's a computer program. It's designed to simulate conversation with human users. It's almost a chatbot. Like it creates a, creates a conversation like it's a game of tennis. You know, like talk, reply, talk, reply. And look at the public accounting firm um, Deloitte. They did a survey of CEOs. Ninety one percent of the CEOs around the world said they're planning to invest in artificial intelligence. That survey went on to say in five years, most businesses will have all of their customer services 
offered through artificial intelligence. And so, it's, as I said, it's not a question of if, it's only a matter of when. If you, if, if you have a business that does anything online, you will have to have a chatbot to compete. And keep in mind, uh, chatbots, uh, they don't miss work. They have total recall. They yeah. never sleep. They never need lunch. So it, the, the, future, the future really is here. We're out of time with Dr. Bob Freilich. Uh, more time on this topic another day. This is a pet topic of mine and my producer, Doc, so we may tap you down the road on this. And um, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'd be honored to uh, come back on. You all have a great day. Thanks. Terry, uh, he's always a pleasure. Thank you for I setting that up. Terry, let's pick it up where we left off. So thank you for arranging Dr. Bob oh, Freilich's yeah. visit. And by the way, what we didn't get in, because there was so much good stuff, how about that? A bullish forecast. I haven't heard anything like that for very good reasons. Money on the sidelines. Institutions have to buy. Betting on the consumer. Recession, not such a big issue. Um, and all of that about AI. And that was fascinating. Uh, chat GPT. But what we didn't get in, the Kane County Cougars, I just texted with Dr. Bob, opening day in Geneva, Illinois, at Northwestern Medicine Field, is May 11th, as he put it, 106 days away. Perfect thing to think about on a day like this. Look out the window. Wonderful, beautiful field in Geneva, Illinois. Kane County Cougars. Dr. Bob owns the team. He's worked through some tough times with the pandemic and everything, and they're raring to go. So I think we should just all, everybody at the station, why don't we broadcast from there? We should do a day. We should uh, yeah. do WGN Radio Day out there. That's for sure. That's for sure. I've been there. It's it's beautiful. I'm not, frankly, really a baseball sit in the stadium fan, but out there, it's just like a day in the country. Yeah, it is a lovely sight. And the baseball team's actually very good, too. They play good ball. Um, Terry, so what's, what's this uh, nonsense you think about the nonsense going on in Washington, D.C.? Okay. Here's what triggered it. Um, we have, I've gotten so many, I mean, enough to make it significant to me, posts on my Ask Terry blog. Should I get out of T-bills? We just got people into Treasury bills, IOUs from the federal government, currently for six months paying 4.8%. Want to know how to buy them at terrysavage.com. There's an article called How to Buy Treasury Bills. Everybody's going, oh, thank you. The banks are only paying 1.7, 2.3 maybe now. I'm getting 4.8 in T-bills. I love it. Now I've got people posting, is it safe? This debt ceiling thing, what if we default on the debt? Should I go back to CDs? Well, <laughs> two points here. Number one, we are not going to default on our debt. I'll come back to that if you want to ask a question. But number two, who do you think insures your CDs? It's the FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. It is the same government that stands behind, fully directly behind Treasury bills. We have a $31 trillion national debt. We have financed it over the years by selling Treasury bills, notes, and bonds, different maturities. As they come due, we re-auction them again. So that, and the rate set by the global community, looking at inflation and the future value of the dollar and risks and so forth. Currently, they say the risk to get invested in U.S. Treasuries should be about 4.8% for six months. A third of our national debt is owned by foreign central banks. We are not defaulting on the national debt. And if you ever write a letter to the politicians, both sides of the aisle, today is the day to do it. This 
Raising the debt ceiling is about financing the debt we already have and the current deficit. If they want to do something, don't pass a 25,000-page omnibus spending bill that nobody knows what's in there. Let them do their jobs. But running around saying, we're going to cut Social Security, we won't be able to pay the military, that's ridiculous. There you go. That's the end of my rant. You know, every once in a while I get in a mood like this. I can't believe that that's all you hear on on even news programs, everything, and that people are getting upset. We will not default on our debt. End of story. Okay. 312. Okay. No, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm taking in what you said, and I'm glad that you reminded our listeners. I, I tried to make this point yesterday, and I will again in the future, that this, this um, debt ceiling raised would not be to expand spending. It would be to pay for the bills we already have, for things we've already purchased, if you will. So we have to honor those obligations. We have to pay our bills. That's the United States we're talking about. Exactly. World oil is priced in dollars. We are the centerpiece, centerpiece of the the global financial system. And l- let me, I'm just going to look right now. I bet I can find the instant price. If there was any real threat that the dollar was, that our debt would default, you would see gold at 50, $50,000 an ounce, I'm right. sure. But you know what? No, okay. But here's why but people. Right now, gold is trading at. $1,941, up about $100 from last month, but not, it's still $40, $50 below its highs. Um, th- the world's not coming to an end. Okay, but I, I, we'll go to some calls here and text messages, 312-981-7200. I think, though, the one thing that troubles people about what you said, your certainty is is ensuring. I'm glad to hear that. But some of these knuckleheads in Congress um, aren't as either sober or smart as you are, and so that's that's the wild card. Those people might use the leverage they have with the Speaker of the House now to not pay our bills, and that's what troubles people. It's not paying our bills. It's refinancing. It's two things. Whatever. It's, okay. It's refinancing our debt that's at stake yeah. that would be critical. Right now, the Treasury Secretary is doing stuff like you would do if you were out of work and you didn't have sick pay for a while. Okay, so you would not make your contribution to your 401k. You would... Um, you would buy groceries. You would not pay your your MasterCard in full. You'd put a minimum payment on it and use it to pay the electric bill or the heat bill. You don't want to be without heat. That's what the Treasury Secretary is doing right now while the idiots in Washington are making these hysterical comments about, well, you know, what are they going to cut? Are they really going to tell you that you don't get your Social Security benefits? Are they going to cut military spending while we've got what's going on in Russia and potentially China and North Korea? Of course not. Those And and interest on the national debt. Those are the three largest categories. Of course, there's stuff that can be cut. If they would sit down and go over what they agreed to spend and everybody go, okay, I'll give up on that, I'll give up on that, then we wouldn't have as big a deficit this year. But we'll still have a billion-dollar deficit probably this year. But you can't not pay your debt. You can't refinance your T-bills. It's not going to happen. More pedestrian issues, but maybe more personally pressing ones for people. Hey, Terry Savage, is it a good idea to fund a 13-month CD at 4.6% or keep the cash in an online savings account at 3.3%? I assume both rates may continue to go up. I have no debt. Fully funded 401k, Roth IRA, 550,000 in online savings. 
Oh, well, you know, it just depends on what your, a couple of things here, um, but what your potential immediate need is. I would be buying six-month T-bills currently yielding a little over 4.8%, but you can lock things up. Look, you could you could buy a five-year insurance product, a, um, a gear, an annuity, five-year, like an annuity CD kind of a thing for over 5% right now. So if you're struggling for yield, then you might have to give up some liquidity. So it just depends on when do you need the money. Yeah, sounds like this person's got the liquidity and might just shop the best number. That's Terry Savage, 312-981-7200. Okay, lots of calls, lots of texts. We'll zoom through them and answer as many of your issues as we can in just a moment. 312-981-7200. The business news continues now on the Wintrust Business Lunch with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. One of the largest Chicago-area realtors is closing five offices. Coldwell Banker Realty ranks third among the big local brokerage firms. Cranes reports offices are closing in Wheaton, Barrington, Elmhurst, Downers Grove, and Chicago's West Loop. The closings amount to a nearly 12% cut for Coldwell. Prior to the round of closings, the company had 41 offices in the Chicago area, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Indiana. Coldwell Banker Realty is separate from Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. The latter has been expanding offices. A new survey by the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago shows business activity in the Midwest remains below normal levels but has improved slightly. They surveyed leaders in the Chicago Fed's five-state area. During the past three months, the index of economic activity has been in its lowest level in a decade, except for a sharp drop right after the COVID shutdowns. The report says the pace of hiring has decreased and expectations for the next 12 months have also dropped. 59% of respondents expect a recession over the next year. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Time for the business of food on WGN with Steve Alexander. Make your living with your voice. I have concerning news, and it's sponsored by the Chevy Silverado HD. Experience your life in HD. Visit Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. Well, that's what's concerning. AI, artificial intelligence bots that can converse like humans. And one of the companies leading the way at restaurant drive-thrus is Presto. Let's listen in as one of Presto's bots takes an order. Hi, what can we make fresh for you today? Can I get two? And she goes on for about 15 seconds with her order. Number one combo with the Coke. And then the bot confirms what it heard. I have two soft snack taco, one regular vanilla shake and one number one meal with Del Taco Crunchy, medium crinkled cut fries and medium Coke. Correct? That's correct. Wow, how about that? I'm sure restaurant owners are salivating over the idea of a worker that never gets tired. And Raj Suri, the CEO and founder of Presto, says human co-workers like it too. The staff member actually have less stress in their lives. They can actually focus on one job at a time instead of trying to do two or three things at once. And the guests have a better experience, so everybody wins. He says the restaurants using the system have seen a 10% increase in their net operating margins, and he says that's a godsend for stores who can't find enough workers. So that's why they need to implement technology so they can serve more guests uh, with less people. What about people who order in tortured English or other languages or with accents? He says the Presto system not only understands many different speaking styles and languages, it can remember your voice. And uh, it'll remember your past orders and be able to upsell you based on you know, what you've ordered in the past. And there is a human override available in case Mr. Mumbles pulls into the drive-thru. Plus, this could be fun. The bot can change voices. For example, 4th of July, you could have Uncle Sam take your order. Or uh, if a certain brand has a partnership with a celebrity, 
say, like uh, Christopher Walken. <laughs> okay. Christopher Walken. Uh, let's imagine how that might sound. We're going to have a little Q&A. <laughs> Maybe you ask him to hold the pickles? No, that's out of the question. Oh, okay. Well, thanks anyway. You're welcome! Could be fun, and you know, they're coming, like it or not. From the farm to your belly, today's National Irish Coffee Day. That's, that's the, the business of food. Hey. I'm not Steve Alexander, but I can do his job. Come on now. <laughs> Janine, you're on WGN. How can we help you, Janine? You're on the air. I wonder if you could tell me if um, Treasury Direct um, accounts, if you can open one without putting money in at the same time. Just park an account and not fund it, huh? Exactly. Yes, you could create a Treasury Direct account. Again, links, explanation at terrysavage.com. On the right-hand side, there's some boxes underneath financial links. You can open your account. You can connect it to your bank account. And then when the money comes in or when you're ready to buy, you can go, you can sign into your account. You've got it all set up. You click on the tab that says manage, or if you're ready to buy, just go buy direct. And it'll say, what do you want? 13-week T-bills, 26-week T-bills. Um, what auction date? You pick the next Monday because they're auctioned on Monday, and it'll happen like magic. Just put your order in, click submit, and they'll come right in and take the money out of your account and leave you the interest. Good luck, uh, Janine. Uh, was that uh, Janine? Thanks for the yeah. call. Terry, can opening a Fidelity teen account hurt any options my child could have later? My kids want to start investing and are 13 and 14 years old. It's a problem. Um, any accounts that are open under the custodianship rules, UGMA, Uniform Gift to Minors, UTMA, Uniform Trust to Minors, those weigh seven times more heavily against you in the financial aid formula. Now, if you're just going to do it with a little bit of money, you could do it at Fidelity, you could do it at Stockpile, but you're, you're just teaching them, oh, look, you can now start watching Nike or, or whatever, you know, that you want to f- have them follow. So I'm not against that, but that's not where you save for college. That's not where you have a ton of money. Of course, at age 18, the money is theirs. Where do you save for college? Where should I start Save for money? college. We're in Illinois. Most people listening are in Illinois. You go to brightstart.com. Yeah. That's Illinois' 529 college savings plan. And you get a deduction on your Illinois tax return for up to $10,000 of contributions. You could start with a little money. Start with an automatic monthly contribution. Tell the grandparents instead of toys or clothes or books or whatever, please give a contribution to this account. A lot of our listeners are championing your criticism of the um, federal government and this debt ceiling crisis, but also you not panicking about it. They appreciate what you said there. And Bill wanted to say something about all of this, too. You're on WGN. Hi, Bill. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Terry. Um, I called my congressman, U.S. congressman, yesterday with two different suggestions for trying to reduce all this spending, because every two years we run into the the debt ceiling, which can cause um, rising interest rates. We know what it causes, and, so what's um, your question or comment? Well, well, I, I have just a statement. The two suggestions I made are, first, cancel the space program. We don't need to go to the moon again or to Mars, and somebody else, a private company, may do it anyway. And second, we have over about 800 foreign military bases we could save a fortune, I don't know how much, by closing half of them. What do you think about those suggestions, Terry? I think those are all the kinds of things Congress should be discussing, reviewing, examining, and debating, as opposed to, we're going to cut Social Security and Medicare. 
Or we're going to cut defense budget. That's, just, that's not helpful. Thanks for the phone you're, call. Thanks for the call. This is Warren. You're on WGM with Terry Savage. Hi, Warren. Uh, yeah, bought a $10,000 I-bond September 1st, 22. Was looking at it uh, today. As soon as that account, uh, that I-bond is worth $10,080. So my question is, when and how do they credit the interest to that I-bond? The first interest gets credited in the fifth month after you purchased it because the first three months are not put in because of that potential penalty. And then there's a month delay in adding it. Believe me, it will all be there in the end. You're going to hold it for at least a year and preferably for five years because otherwise you do lose that three months interest. But at the end, you'll get all the money that's due. And you got in in the 9.62% time. So you have six months of that and then it will drop down to the current six point. I forget it is, but anyway, 6.89, I think it is now. So um, don't worry about it. This listener says, is there any way you could lose money with Treasury Direct? No. I mean, you could lose opportunity. <laughs> let's say I just bought, let's just say I bought a six-month T-bill at 4.8% yesterday, Monday, when it, that's what the auction yield was about. And let's just say we had the Fed going, oh my goodness, we got to raise rates more. And Let's just say, for example, if rates went up to 5.3%, sure, you'd go, sure. oh, darn, I wish I'd but waited. It would never but you're be not going to lose your number, principal. But it wouldn't be a negative number. No, 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 no. That's all the time we have, Terry. Oh, my goodness. All right. Oh, wait, quick. Give me a quickie. I want to just do a disclaimer under the category of live and learn. A couple of weeks ago, we had a big discussion about children who of parents who are collecting Social Security. So you're a 70, 60-something-year-old parent with a minor child. Yes, your child gets half of your minor child, if you're collecting, gets half of your full retirement benefit. But you must be collecting your retirement benefit for the child to collect. Uh, If you don't have Social Security, your kid doesn't get half of what you don't get. Um, Larry Kotlikoff gave me a whole tutorial on this. Here's the important thing. So if your father with a 12-year-old and you want to th- wait, you're thinking, should I wait till 70? I'll maximize my Social Security. But if I have a 12-year-old now and I'm only 65, I could get five years of half my benefits for each of my minor children. You have to run the, the computer, MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com to make the right decision. But yes, minor children through age 18, but 19, if the child is still in school, get half the parent's full retirement benefit. If the parent dies, the child, of course, can't collect on the dead parent's account, but they can collect as a minor a child survivor benefit, which is 75% of the deceased parent's full retirement benefit. And by the way, they don't get half of your increased benefit at age 70 if you wait. They get half of your full retirement benefit, even though you may get more if you wait till 70. MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com is how you figure out what you should do if you're in that situation. Okay. We can talk more about that next time, too. Sure. That's a Terry Savage quickie. Uh, And by the way, remember that we always uh, post these entire conversations at WGNRadio.com. Later today, click on the Wintrust Business Lunch tab, and you'll find everything that you heard in this hour there. It's always a very helpful way to re-digest this stuff. Thank you, Terry. Thanks. That's Terry Savage.